podcast with Dan. Let's just get that. Did I clap? Take one. Yeah. Yeah, it's clapped. It's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> nearly leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good joke. Oh. It is finished. See <laughs> <laughs> you for episode two. <laughs> Dan uh, Glynn. Hello, how are you? Good. Good. So Good. Here with today we have Dan Glynn from Dan Glynn Coaching. Um, I met you back at the start of the year. Uh, yeah, close to the start of the year anyway. Yeah, yeah. We reached out because um, myself and Cormac seen what you were doing opening the Health and Wellness Centre in Navin. And I remember Cormac turning around and saying, have you seen what that Dan Glynn fella is doing? Because it was very similar to the vision we had for our own Wolf Academy building in the future. Yeah. And with the approach that you're taking, the mind, body, soul approach. Mm. And as Cormac actually said at the time, he goes, there's no point in us competing with him. Like, yeah. why don't we reach out and see mm. what he's doing and um, that kind of stuff. So that's what we did. That's where the relationship started. Yeah. I have helped you out teaching some classes in there and I love the approach you take with the the, the full on fitness part of it but then mm. also incorporating the mind mm. spirit if you want to call it that yeah. part at the end of the classes yeah um, I've totally enjoyed teaching them that way as well and like from the feedback from the clients they love it yeah. too mm. so what was it you're obviously involved in the fitness industry for a long time yeah what was it that got you involved in that in the first place? It's a good question. Um, in fitness or in, I suppose, in the work that I'm doing now? Well, I suppose what got you involved in the fitness industry and helping people out in that way first and then what led yeah. into the way, where you are it's now? It's a great question. So I suppose for me, where kind of all began, I first um, went to college in Tralee. So when I went into college in Tralee, I remember being in school and it's a lot of probably the work that you do now, being in school and when I was in school, I was never really someone who was really smart or clever. Or that's the belief I held about myself anyway. And a lot of that came from when I was in school, I was exempt from Irish. So I didn't have to do Irish. So then suddenly now when all the other people were going into Irish class, Dan was going into to do something else. And then I never really knew or understood. And that led me to create a lot of beliefs saying, well, do you know what? I'm not really smart. I'm not really good at school. I'm not, I'm not good enough at school. Come back to that belief sometimes we hold. And I suppose I went through the years in school and had this on a subconscious level in the background. And then when it came to the leave insert and it came to sitting down with a career guidance counsellor, I was nervous as hell. Because I still remember to this day standing in the hall before I went into her and I was thinking, what the hell am I going to say? What the hell is, more importantly, she going to say? So what could I do? So where could I go? So I couldn't be able to go to college. I wouldn't be able to get by. And I remember walking into the room, she sat me down and said, what are you looking to do then? I was like, look, I'm going to be fully honest with you here. I haven't a clue. I don't know what I'd be able to do. I'm not smart at school. I haven't a clue. And straight away, it's still a great question she asked me. It doesn't matter what you want to do. What matters is what would you love to do? And soon she said that, I was like, she's never thought about that. I just thought you had to get into a comfortable, safe, familiar job, get into something that you could get a paycheck by. And I said, well, the only thing I actually really love and I think I'm actually really good at is anything around sport or health or fitness. 
And that led me to go to Tralee to study um, health and leisure. So when I was down there, I remember before going down, I was like, right, I'm going to do PE teaching because it's safe, it's familiar, it's comfortable, it's a guaranteed paycheck, it's a pension and all these different things. And when I was in there, I suppose my own energy started to shift and started to change. I really started to get into health and fitness and looking at all these areas from nutrition, from sports science and all these other areas. And then I just, I suppose, I went down that path and starting a, a personal training business and really focus on physical health and physical fitness. So I suppose when I started a business, that was the main priority physically getting people stronger physically getting people healthier and physically getting people to uh, a condition that society puts these days that's healthy that's well and I suppose for me I got to that point myself personally so uh, back in the day I was someone who would push themselves all the time I'd track everything to the T I'd always make sure I had everything right I always make sure I had everything perfect from a physical health standpoint and I got to a condition where I remember when starting that journey that I said, right, when I get in this condition, which is the worst thing we can say, I'll be happy, I'll be content, everything will fall into place. I got down to a position where I was about probably 7 or 8% body fat, which a lot of professional athletes or could be in around that, maybe a little bit higher. And physically, in that moment, I was in the greatest condition in my life. Mentally, I was in the worst condition in my entire life. I hated myself. I hated my the way I'd seen the person in the mirror. And it's amazing. I only did a workshop two weeks ago. And before I went on to the workshop, I had that photo. And I said, will I put this up? Won't I put this up? And there was still so much of me that struggled to do it. But I was like, right, this is my message. This is what I believe in. So I put up the photo uh, of me back at that 7-8% body fat and everyone on the workshop saying Jesus you look great you look at this you look at that and then I went to the next photo and I zoomed in my eyes and I said what do you see now and then people said tired exhausted stressed worried fearful and that's what I haven't seen in, in their eyes so I suppose I know I'm rabbiting this answer, but I suppose that's what's led me to the work that I do nowadays. It's really, as I like to call it, getting beyond the physical. I believe so much of life is focused on physical things, physical um, stuff we put into our life, and we keep filling it with more and more stuff, and we become more and more empty. And I think when we can get actually into our eyes, which is the seat of the soul, that's where the magic really starts to happen. That's where... A lot of the time we spend chasing our lives to get to this place or get to this position. We realise we actually already have it and we actually don't need the stuff. But I suppose the work that I do now is giving people a space and a place to look beyond what is it for them that actually can allow them to be fully content, fully at peace, fully with joy in themselves, number one, and in all areas of their life. So... I hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> we can just end it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Figure out life. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Boom. Oh, um, that's. It's actually really interesting to listen to that because I felt mm. many similarities almost in my own journey. Um, because when I was in, well, it was a bit different. When I was in school, I was actually like quite 
focused on my studies and yeah focused on like business and maths i was really good at those subjects and i did quite well in school but i was following what i thought i should do um, instead of what if your guidance counselor said to you follow what, what do you love mm. what would you love to do mm. i kind of wish i had that advice yeah. um, back then because i was kind of doing what i thought i should do and now and that led me down to do down the path of doing it and hating that and ended up quitting and then going on another journey over a couple of years to discover what do i actually love and mm. what brings me alive what do i want to give to the world yeah. but it's funny now because my message is similar to the message you got when i go into schools now to talk to young people i say like discover what you love or like if it's a cause like what what's your purpose it's what? usually linked to like what makes you angry or what you want to change yeah. in the world or connecting with yourself mm. everything you said there is it's kind of reminded me of what i'm trying to share with young people mm. today so it was just amazing how like that one thing that that guidance counselor said to you had such a shift in your perspective and that's it it's such a shift and i'm actually really grateful I'm very lucky to have that had that person there because it could have went on a completely different path in a different way and mm. where I am now it could have taken 10 years longer and mm. a lot of people say to me what age are you Dan I say I'm only 25 I'm like Jesus you're only 25 you're only 25 <laughs> <laughs> there you go you're only 25 fuck I didn't know that and a lot of people get shocked but I suppose I suppose you're Sean's age isn't it and yeah, that's yeah. I, I suppose and I never think I never look at like oh god I'm 25 of wisdom it's not that at all like but I think sometimes in life you can be lucky enough to meet people or to have people in your life that just make you ask bigger and better questions. And it's funny when you look at a leaving cert, they'll ask you Pythagoras theorem, they'll ask you about Oxbow Lakes, they'll ask you mm-hmm. about uh, the chemistry balance, but they never ask the most important question. Do you not know who you are? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that's the greatest question that so many of us struggle to know and struggle to understand is who we actually are and some of us do know who we are but we put more stuff in our life to drain it out and to to put it out because of fear fear of what will someone say fear of what if i look different fear of what i'm um people think i'm not enough we get caught up into so much things i think that's why so many people nowadays if you look at the world that we live in we should be the healthiest, the happiest, and most contemporary ever should. We've more than we've ever had. People hundreds of years ago didn't even have central heating. People hundreds of years ago couldn't go two minutes down the road to the shop to get uh, whatever they wanted for a movie night. Hundreds of years ago, they didn't even have a TV. We've all so much stuff in life right now, and yet we have so little at the same time. And I think a lot of that comes back that people just aren't living authentically in who they actually are what actually brings them alive and fear is the biggest infection towards that that holds us back from that yeah i totally agree they it's people are not connected to themselves mm. and living authentically mm. because i spent most of my life like that mm. you know trying to like you said drown out who i actually was yeah. doing things that were against my morals and my values yeah just being someone else completely and by connecting back to myself, I'm experiencing feelings that I didn't even know existed. Mm. Levels of happiness and joy. Now, it still comes with all the the other stuff. Of course. But I can sit with that and deal with that. Yeah. But the levels of 
happiness and joy I'm feeling are yeah. things I didn't know existed. Yeah. And that was from reconnecting back to myself and actually living authentically. Mm. And I'm still learning how to do that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's I don't think there's no an end to that because I think it's a lifelong with your journey. Mind, yeah. Mm. With your mind you're always gonna have to mm. um just keep healing, keep growing, yeah. keep communicating with people mm. and just keep in that loop. Yeah. Do you 100%. know? And and you'll I, for me anyway, that's a happy life for me. Yeah. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you was that moment when that photo was taken. Yeah. Okay. And you said the people could see the exhaustion mm. all that in your eyes. Yeah. Was there some time, I'm presuming, around that time where you decided this isn't what I want and I suppose yeah. Like what what brought you back to yourself? Yeah, it's a great question and I suppose there's lots of different moments. I suppose if it was really summing up in two moments, I think the first one would be really from trauma. And a couple of years ago, one of my best friends who would have been really close, there would have been four of us just in the one group and we're basically like a little family. Like uh, we lost one Christmas evening, he was only 23 years old. And that was a massive, like anyone who experienced trauma or grief, you go through all emotions and, often at times you can put more stuff into your life to make you busier so you don't have to face it I think for me back then I put more energy into work put more energy into pushing myself harder and there's a line that I use now that I see often with a lot of clients is trauma and motion we create more suffering we create more harder things pushing ourselves harder and we see it all the time now people doing these 100 mile runs people doing these insane crazy challenges sometimes it is from a really good place but when it becomes a need that you constantly need to be doing better questions that ask what are you outrunning and i think for me back then i was really outrunning not wanting to to go there to listen to it and most importantly to heal it and it got to a point that there's a great line if you look at the word disease it's in it this ease and i think for so long i lived with that this ease in my life in my lifestyle make myself busier working longer hours push myself harder filling more things into my life and it led me then to a hospital bed so one day i was teaching a, a class as normal on any saturday morning and there was particularly a lot going on at that moment and i woke up i still remember that morning waking up with massive black bags underneath my eyes but of course i said oh no i have to keep going just push on go hard so I went straight into work and even taught a class when in 10 minutes I was dropped onto the floor and I thought it was a heart attack. And of course I dropped onto the floor, lucky enough my dad was actually in the class at the time So and lucky enough there was a nurse in the class all the time. So I don't remember any of this at all now. She said get him straight into hospital. So I was rushing into hospital and I was starting to wake up a little bit now and I was convinced it was a heart attack it felt like a stabbing pain into my heart just boom 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 if I took the smallest inhale in it was even harder and I got into the hospital anyway and turned out I had a collapsed lung and lucky enough I went in straight away because they said if any hour or two later I could have suffered brain damage from not enough oxygen so when I was in the hospital when you're in them moments and when you're in there, my ultimate belief is that 
now especially is that everything happens for a reason as hard as that can be to see at times and when I was in the hospital there your face to sit with yourself your face just to be there and I suppose when I was in there a month before this happened I started working with my first if you want to call it a spiritual coach whatever the hell you want to call it I suppose I started working my first one of them and in Chinese medicine the main parts of they say well, if you have experienced trauma or if you experienced grief in your life that can be connected to certain body areas in Chinese medicine the main area for grief and trauma is the heart and the lungs and yet a month later after I finally went to experience this area I got a collapse lung so when I was in the hospital then that was the real moment that I think we all get it there can be moments where everything looks like it's chaos everything looks like it's breaking down but then there can be this breakthrough and awakening moment and I think that was the moment for me that I could leave that hospital bed and lucky enough I got the chance to get another chance and a lot of people don't get that second chance when I was in there I had the chance and I wasn't going to waste it I said look at this Dan you've been sent by someone from somewhere sent it to this you as a message so what are you going to do with it do you want to go back to your old ways pushing yourself harder making yourself more stressed out filling more stuff into your life do you want to go back to that old way and that old life and be in this hospital bed in another year or in a coffin in another two or three or do you want to make take the lesson and live it forward and I suppose that was the real moment back then where where everything changed I started to look at well what is it to be actually healthy what is it to be actually successful what is it to actually live a good life and these are questions and areas I started to explore and looking from different philosophies looking at different parts of mindfulness um, looking at all these other areas and that's what's really led me on on the path and the road in terms of what I'm in and and that's why as I say to every single person that I work with like is that every mess has a message so no matter what mess you're in there's always a message in there but it's up to you to find it it's up for you to to search for it and most importantly it's up for you to live it and I suppose now that's a lot of the work that I try to do number one in my own life and number two in the people that I work with to see beyond the physical because I think now in society we've been shaped so much with fitness with nutrition with sleep with all these physical areas which is important part of our lifestyle absolutely I'm not saying that for one moment but I think people get so caught up into just looking at that how many people go into a gym train exercise and use that their motivation is coming from a place of pain or suffering I have to go harder I have to push myself harder every session has to be tough every session has to be hard how many people eat food and put all this pressure on themselves that they have to always have it right and I have to always have it perfect sometimes we're doing physical things that keep us healthy that keep us well but whether that's coming from a healthy place is a bigger, better question to ask. 
and I think for me going back then to them years before that's probably a lot of what it was coming from an, a place of non-self-compassion and when we can really start to create that inner world first everything else outside that starts to change so that's pretty much it <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, some answer. Can't remember the question. Yeah, you know, you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was doing a lot, like reflecting when you, as you were talking. I was again, I suppose, naturally reflecting. Yeah. Back to my own life and what I've learned, and just listen to what you've learned on your journey and some of the messages you've got mm. are very, like, in your face, powerful. Like you know, collapse lung is quite a serious thing. Yeah. And. I'm not sure if I had obviously we all get our own messages from our own messes mm. um, but one thing I did think about there when you were talking was just that part about you can be doing all the healthy things and you know living going by what they say like you know sleeping right eating right meditating journaling mm. and even myself like myself and Daryl and yourself like we know a lot of this stuff yeah. from working in this area yeah and I only came to you there was the last week Friday mm. and I was I think it was only the second time I met you yeah and I just said to you you just sat down for a minute in your in your studio and then I just said to you I don't know why I just felt I could just say whatever I wanted to you. I just said I don't know what's going on at the minute but I'm doing all the right things mm. and my mind is just I only asked you to drop the keys yeah, yeah <laughs> I was only dropping the keys but <laughs> But you keys. weren't dropping in just keys. No, no. <laughs> keys to my soul. Um, <laughs> and I just was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, my life is perfect in terms of, like, what I've visualized that I wanted this life. Say, mm. if I went three years, three years ago and said, someone said to me three years ago, you'd have this life. This mm. is what it would look mm. like. I'd be like, Jesus Christ, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And then, but part of me is, like, doing all this stuff. And, like, I have this amazing life. And I'm like, what's wrong? Like, why... I'm still having these dark thoughts or why mm. am I feeling there's something missing? Mm. And it's just to, I don't know, remind people that it's like you can be doing all these things and even us, as mm. we do these and teach them to other people, but yeah. it doesn't mean we're absolved from the no. reality no. of like, sometimes you're not okay and you yeah. just need to, I just needed to talk to you. And I was mm. like, at least I had the courage to do that because I just trusted you'd be open to that. I mm. just said, I'm just having these dark thoughts and I just can't understand it. Mm. And I know, and but I think the difference now from who I, when I used to have, say, negative thoughts and stuff, I had no self-compassion years ago. Mm. I was like you, I'd train harder, work yeah. harder, and I'll finally get through it or whatever yeah. it is. And maybe I achieve more, I'll feel better. But mm. that never worked. But now I have a lot of self-compassion when I'm going through those darker moments. And we've, mm. we've just moved into like the winter period, so yeah. I think dark stuff is coming up for a lot of people yeah. and definitely came up for me and I kind of feel like I'm coming through the other side of a lot of it now yeah. but I'm sure I'll go back into it like it's a cycle mm. as Darren was said earlier yeah. but what I was getting at was um, it's, I can't remember what I was getting <laughs> at but it's, no. it's reminding for me the kind of message I want to share at the minute is reminding people that we're not our thoughts we're not no. the dark thoughts that we have we no. all have those yeah and it's reminding yourself that you're the watcher and i think that's where the compassion comes from because i know that's not me that's just mm. my ego or whatever you want exactly to call it. and i've 
compassion for the my soul mm. piece that's watching that yeah um, yes i think you're yeah, yeah you have it absolutely and like we've up to eighty thousand thoughts a day they say mm. so if if you think out of eighty thousand thoughts you have a day do you think everyone is going to be saying you're amazing you're incredible you're beautiful you've lived in the best life of course they're not mm. you're going to get some mad ones you're going to get some daft ones but you are not your thoughts you're not your body and again coming back to society we've built the whole society around physical things and we look at people as a physical body so now I'm looking at Daryl now I'm looking at Cormac but I'm not looking at Daryl I'm not looking at Cormac <laughs> lovely hairstyles anyway <laughs> but I'm not looking at Daryl I'm not yeah, looking yeah, at Cormac yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the physical body of Daryl and Cormac but that is not you mm. you are not your body you are not your thoughts you're not even your brain your mind is not in the brain. The mind is outside of the brain. Mm. And I say that people say, ah, oh, Dan, you're deaf. Would you shut up? Like, I'm like, well, when you have a thought and you think of, Jesus, why am I thinking that? Where is that coming from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the thought's coming from somewhere, but then there's another part of you that's thinking of that thought coming from somewhere. So you're not in your body. You're mm. not in your brain. Your physical reality is being presented in that way. But we build up our whole life based on the physical thing our body, our blood pressure, our heart rate, our house, our paycheck. We build up everything, our self-worth and quote-unquote success built on everything physical. Mm. And even when you think about like, if you ever go into, if you ever go into a wake at a funeral, if you go into that room and the coffin is there and the body is there, that body is dead. There's no blood running in through that body. There's no heartbeat in that body. But you can still feel something. When you go up to that, that coffin or that body, maybe it's a loved one you had before, the body is there, but there's nothing there in the body. But there's still some energy, some presence, something that you can feel. What is that? Mm-hmm. It's the soul. And the soul never dies and the soul never goes. And... Deepak Chopra says that at the end we come to a new beginning we never really die and I think from kind of where I'm coming from as you were saying there Cormac we're not our thoughts we're not our physical reality everything we experience in this world has actually nothing to do with the physical reality me Cormac and Daryl could be standing at the side of a beach we could be looking at the exact same view but we're experiencing it completely differently. Mm -hmm. Completely different. Mm -hmm. I could be looking out and saying, Jesus, I wonder how far that ocean stretches. Jesus, that's massive. Daryl could be saying, fuck the weather shite today. (laughs) Cormac could be like, jeez, I wonder what it's like to be working that fishing boat. And I might not even see the fishing boat because I'm not interested in fishing boats. Mm. Daryl might be just seeing the weather because he's interested in weather. I might be seeing how far the sea goes because I'm interested in, in the sea and in, in, in the world or whatever. Everything we experience in life has nothing to do with the outside but everything to do with the inside. So what am I coming at from here? We're not our thoughts. We're not our physical body. We're a soul and as Deepak says, we're spiritual beings having a, 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 spiritual, a human experience. And what does that mean in, in English? <laughs> it means that you can go out throughout the whole day and it doesn't really matter if geez, you're a bit overweight. It doesn't really matter if your shoes are brand new. It doesn't really matter if your car looks like it's about to fall apart. 
doesn't really matter if you have 10 bedrooms or one bedroom. None of that really matters. But what really matters is your soul. And when I say soul, it's your identity, who you see yourself as you really are. And ultimately from that is everything that you'll start experiencing in life. And I suppose a great way to give an example of this is that when me and Grania were looking for our first home, um, my one dream was always to live on the seafront. And I always said I wouldn't settle anything less without living either on the seafront or by the sea. And when we went to go look for our, our first place, we uh, we seen this first place and it was pretty much on the seafront. It was in budget. Everything looked great. Everything looked perfect. And I built this up saying, oh, great. We have a first house. Brilliant. We're going to move in. Three days later, the landlord uh, calls and says, sorry, Dan, you didn't make it. Uh, didn't make it. We picked someone else. Then I started to go straight in to the ego saying, Fuck, what do you mean I wasn't right off? And I started to get frustrated. I said, oh, sure, we're not going to find a house now. We're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to ever find a place at all. And for four weeks, we couldn't find anything then. Nothing came up. And one day I was sitting beside the beach on a walk and just sat down for about five, ten minutes. And just this just came in from somewhere. And a lot of this comes in when we give ourselves that time and space. But this came in from somewhere say, if you want to live on the sea, live like you're already living on the sea. If you want to have a house in the sea, live like you're already in it. And there's, if you ever research someone called Joe Dispenza, mm. he does a lot of this work, is that if I am someone that really wants to live a life of compassion, of ease, of joy, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I have to realise that I already have it. Because, again, come back to the old Dan, when he put it into the future, saying when I get to the body mm. position, when I get to the job, when I get to this, when I get to that, that's when it'll fall into place. It never really comes. Or it does come, but then you end up chasing something else and then chasing something else and then it gets exhausting. So as Dispenza says, we need to live like we're already experiencing right now. So every morning I woke up then, did meditation. I used to visualize myself sitting at home with a lovely warm cup of tea, looking out at the ocean and just, just seeing it. And I did it every single morning, every single morning, for two weeks consistently, every single morning. And I allowed myself to feel, what would it feel like living on the sea? I'd feel, I'd hear the waves crashing, I'd see the sun rise, I'd, I'd see people screaming as they got into the cold water in the sea, and experience every emotion that came with that when I was doing that visualisation. After two weeks, this one client who was supposed to work with me a year ago, three months ago, two months ago, suddenly arrived into the gym I used to work in and said, Dan, I have to talk to you. I said, look, I can't talk to you. I have a client right now. Buzzer goes off on the phone. Client I'm supposed to have cancels. Can't make it, Dan, sorry. So I was like, look, you're in luck. I can take you. So I sat down, had a chat, and classic Irish question, how are you getting on? I was like, ah, not too bad. Classic Irish answer, when things can be even falling all down. Uh, not too bad. Well, myself and Grania are looking for a, a place at the moment. She's like, oh, no way, where are you looking for? I was like, uh, we're looking for somewhere. I'm being a bit awkward, but I'm go. I'm I'm holding myself to it. We're looking for somewhere on the sea. It has to be in Mead because for work, so it can only be Betty's town or Leitown. Same like me. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it's the only only place I sell for. I was like, no way, you're actually looking for somewhere there. I was like, yeah. I was like, um, we've been looking for a while, but I know we'll find exactly where we're meant to. She's like, you're right, you will. I was like, why? We've a place. I was like, what? Like, we've a place. I was like, what do you mean we've a place? Like, <laughs> we've a place in Betty's town. I was like, no way. And I, in my head, I was like, jeez, oh, what's this going to be like? Is it going to be a shed or something like this? I was like, what's it like? <laughs> and she goes, well, do you know the Neptune building? And my heart just dropped. Three years ago, me and Grammy were walking on the beach. Granny pointed out the apartment saying, would it be an unbelievable to live up there? I was like, it will be. And we will live in there. And they're like, no, we won't. I was like, I promise you we will. And it was that exact same apartment that we looked up to that day, three years ago, that she had waiting to rent. And then we got it. So what am I trying to say here? I'm saying that a lot of what we experience in life and not what will come to us in life is not true luck. It's not true by chance. It's by what we create. It's by what we focus on. It's by what we put our intentions into. Mm. And for me, back then, I thought I wouldn't even be able to afford a house in the sea. But I did. I was able to. Mm. Things came into my life. Opportunities came and all these things arrived because I allowed them to arrive. I believed it would arrive. And ultimately, whatever we believe in and who we are and what we're entitled to and what we can be is everything that we'll experience. And we experience the world not as it is, but as we are. And I think the more we can start really coming back to that is the more these magical things and magical experiences can happen and when I say that of course moments like that where you move in your first day is a real magical experience a memory you always have but to find the magic in every single day can I find the magic in this lovely cup of tea that Cormac made me about 20 minutes ago it's gone half cold at the moment (laughs) but you know what I'm still enjoying this (laughs) exactly (laughs) but I'm still enjoying this cup of tea can I see someone like I see them for the first time with no labels, with no judgments, with nothing? Just see them exactly as they are. If you want to know how to be really happy, and if you have kids, oh, they're only people you need to go to. Kids forgive instantly. Kids don't hold on to stuff instantly. When they're between that age of five, six or seven, they're, they're joyful, they're in the moment, they're playing, they find joy. If you give them a tractor, they'll find 10 hours of amusement out of that tractor. As we start to get older, we start to form all these beliefs and stuff. And whether it's from family or society or friends or whatever, we start to form all this stuff. And if you really want to be happy, just look at your kids. Follow them. Look at what they do. And that's, I think, they're the people that really find that joy. It's not, it is joy when you find a new beautiful house, a new beautiful home. But joy is enjoying that cup of tea. Joy is having that real conversation. Joy is being grateful and appreciating for what you have right now, not what you want down the line. And when you can live in that right now, that's where it's just all start to flow. I think what you said there, the gratitude, it's just massive. And mm. it's something that I was, was dipping in and out of a lot. I have my morning practices or my daily practices that yeah. I always do. But the gratitude thing, or something I'd, I'd bring in and let go. I wouldn't intentionally. Yeah. I'd just forget about it. Exactly. Like this but now, times. for the last number of weeks, if not months, 
I've been writing every morning just three to five things. I don't force it, three to five things, yeah. but also why I'm grateful for them. Yeah. And sitting with them for a moment, not just mm. like, say family. I won't just write family. I'll say, Same going off, giving out about why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll write why I'm, grateful, <laughs> why I'm grateful, but it's, yeah. I think it's massive to. So much. Um, the one thing I've really noticed from keeping that is from keeping that gratitude practice and, and all the daily practices I do yeah. is no matter like the things that used to get me frustrated say with myself and Cormac if we get some bad news right yeah. it's like something we haven't gotten any terrible news but something yeah. like is like maybe not worked out that we've tried exactly okay yeah. we've had a few they don't get to me like in the way I'm like mm. I, I have such belief that yeah. it happened for a reason mm. um, and it just doesn't like there's there's not many things now maybe in the moment I might get a bit emotional yeah. about things there's not many things that when I have five minutes to think about them yeah. can drag me down mm. there genuinely is no matter how bad they are which is and I do think that's coming from those gratitude and gratitude practices mm. I do and like if there is anyone listening it's a very quick thing mm that you can do in the morning but yeah. it's just it's not about like what I used to do at the start writing things down quickly like 10 things real quick yeah. 3 or 5 the but actually why you're grateful for them and, and, yeah. and sitting and feeling them and feel it. like I try think, and feel the yeah. appreciation I think because, that's the most important yeah. there because yeah. as you mentioned like I've been guilty of it myself like sitting there in the morning taking out the journal writing down oh I'm really grateful for this beautiful home then I get up and say oh why wasn't the floor swept last night? Like, it's a mess. Like, <laughs> you know, that's not gratitude. Like, no, we, no. we see it so many times and people with to-do lists and say, just tick it off, tick it off. Mm. You can tick off all you want, but we actually in what you're actually doing. What yeah. do I mean by that? Only a, a conversation I had with a client the other day that he had to make a really tough decision in terms of ending a relationship, moving back, uh, finding a new home. And a lot of the doubt and worry and fear from all this was coming from with his kids. And he's like, but what if they think I'm 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 not a good dad? What if they what if they hate me? What if they'll never forgive me for leaving her? I was like, what if they do? And I said to him, when you go home and when you're in that environment where you know your heart isn't really connected. You know you really don't want to be there. And you know there's another part of that. Your soul is saying, I need you to move out. I need a new home. When you're in that, are you fully present? Are you fully with your kids in that moment? Or is your physical body, coming back to the soul again from earlier, is your physical body there, but your mind and your heart somewhere else? He says, it's somewhere else. So I was like, if you move out, if you move to that new home, what will it be like when your kids come over then? It can be amazing. Why? Because I won't be. I can be able to actually be there with them. I can be the the real person I really want to be. I can be full of joy and fun. Whereas now I just find I'm just so much in my head. I can't be fully with them. I was like, what are you waiting for then? <laughs> so I think it's that exact same thing as when we can have some like a gratitude list or or something. Can I actually feel it? Can I actually be in it? And I think that's where the real magic from it comes like we all can at times can caught up in to do lists and getting things done and getting things ticked off but it's like uh, people who go to a concert they're at a concert and there's amazing people playing in front of them 
and they're recording the whole fucking thing in the phone. Right. Like. Yeah. You're not in the concert. No. You're in the phone. And I'm always thinking, when are they going to even watch that? Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah, mad. It's like crazy. they're in the phone. And it what's is. the reason for taking the video? Like, ah, just so I can uh, show someone. What's the reason for showing someone? So I can show them I was a concert. Why do you need to show them you're at the concert? Because ah, it looked good. <laughs> and it's a, it's a great thing that people always say clients come to me at times and say I just need to stop comparing myself I just need to stop uh, judging myself I just need to stop trying to impress people I say ask yourself a better question what's your need to judge yourself what's your need do you find to compare yourself and what's your need that you feel you need to impress people and I think it's come back to that same thing we chatted about earlier on is getting beyond them negative thoughts or, or getting beyond it's like how could I describe it? it's nearly like a triangle like if we look at a triangle that has like different layers to it at the top could be comparing herself and most people would stop there they'd look at the top of the triangle and say I, I just need to stop comparing myself and they'll, they'll go off it but then the next day they'll be caught in the same thing and the next day they'll be caught in the same thing and it's all well and good catching ourselves in these moments, which is really important. We need to catch ourselves. We need to be aware of it. But if we're not going to the bottom of the triangle and saying, well, where is this need coming from for me to keep comparing myself? We'll spend our whole lives in that same place. Mm. Comparing ourselves into someone else or something different or judging ourselves in some area and then transfers into another area until we get to the core of it, which is the belief will always stay in that space all the time. Mm. And coming back to the gratitude thing, what's my ultimate belief behind them then place of gratitude as well? Where can I form, see these puzzles and these patterns that start to create? And can I start to really understand that? And Louise Hay is another really incredible person that talks all about affirmations and how important affirmations are and affirmations aren't these wishy-washy things plucked out of the sky there's real science behind it from the neuroscience perspective and it's amazing when we can really actually start to again get beyond the, the top of the triangle and go to the bottom of the triangle that's when we really get that real transformative change and i'm not sitting here saying this is easy work to do mm. it's it will if you this is someone right now listening to this starting that kind of journey it will be probably the hardest thing you ever do but I can promise you it'll be one of the most freeing things you'll also do as well and if anyone is like if anyone is starting that kind of journey mm. say whatever you want to call it getting back to themselves yeah be kind to yourself when yeah. like what you were saying Cormac like and I get it as well you might get thoughts in your head and you're like how am I thinking this now yeah. after all the work I've done yeah yeah, and yeah and you start getting angry but that's where you need to be kind and compassionate mm. and coming back to you're not your thoughts mm. chatting with a guy the other day he told me he just what he was saying to me about those thoughts and those things that go on inside our minds it's like like you're saying you are not your thoughts because mm. the two things he said you don't want to do you don't want to try fix them yeah because you can't exactly it's crazy what goes on in there mm. much more complicated than we can ever comprehend yeah so do not try to fix that because you're yeah. you're going to lose mm. and don't try to quieten them no no don't let try to a lot of people try to quieten them down yeah don't try to quieten them let them come up mm. what you want to do is observe them yeah mm. that's the beauty don't judge them just observe them yeah from a different like mm. perspective 
he gave me a good analogy sort of he was like if you're walking down the street and you might see someone who is what society would call crazy okay so they're yeah. shouting and saying all these random yeah, yeah. words that don't even make sense yeah, yeah he goes what would your mind be like if someone had a microphone yeah. to it Jesus and everything crazy. that was coming out of your head like that goes on in your head during the day you t- people think you're crazy it's just that then people aren't keeping yeah. quiet they're, yeah. letting, they're letting out yeah. everybody's mind is like that Yeah. so it's not about trying to quiet in it no. it's not about trying to fix it No. it's about trying to observe it and see yeah. where they're coming mm. from maybe yeah. and letting them flow through Yeah. it's like sitting back in the seat of awareness mm. and like it's like wait I can step back yeah. and watch this movie that's going on because mm. It is really a movie that we're creating of our own lives. Like, go yeah. back to what you said about being on the beach. Like, we're all creating a story mm. based on our past beliefs, based on, you know, our interests, our fears, conditioning. conditioning. Exactly. All of our past traumas, whatever it is. Yeah. Like it's, and we're all creating this story. And it's important to remember that you have the choice to change it. Mm. Like what you were saying with Joe Dispenza's mm. visualization, like visualizing mm. that future not being in the future but having it now and mm-hmm. I, I used to do that every morning remember I used to stand out there mm, I did my arms out and visualising like actually start with gratitude for everything I had in my life and then I brought that feeling into everything I have in my future and I say yeah. have as if yeah. I already have it because exactly. it, it's already my mind Wolf Academy building exists like we talk about it as if it's a real place because mm. it is it's already been created in our minds yeah. so it's already there and I think when you just kind of start living into that assurance of like your future looking like whatever it is you'd like it to look like mm. that's that's a great practice and it's also remembering not to attach yourself to the achievement of that goal yeah. that's the hard part too because yeah. i used to like you know visualizing this future like i have to get there and yeah then, but it's like and then the ego comes in yeah and then it's like well i'm not there yet but it's mm. visualizing it and then just letting go of that Mm. and trusting that you'll get there kind of like mm. what you did with the mm. apartment you visualized you said oh we're going to have that like just certainly mm. so you don't have to worry about it because you know it's on your path mm. and you need to like yeah. with that there some people get the wrong impression that they think they think about it and just think it's going to happen for them yeah nice. whereas you do have to break it down mm. what can you do each day to get yeah. you towards that goal yeah make your end goal as dreamy or as lavish as you want mm. But you need to break it down as well mm. into what you can do each day to Definitely. get towards there. But it's just mm. constantly having that vision, mm. you know, because things won't always, the road will be bumpy. And as Cormac always says, it's having that vision for yourself or for what you yeah. want for your life in the future that will get you through those bumps, yeah. get you over that hill. You yeah, know, it's having that vision there. Mm. Um, one thing I was actually wanted to ask you, what's stopping people from looking into themselves and trying to connect to themselves and having yeah. that awareness like, they're not happy but yeah. they don't want to do that yeah I think Daryl summed up it's fear mm. I think I think comfortable yeah, you can comfortable and there's even something I was only talking to someone yesterday like it's I think it's fear I was going to say fear and ego but that's the exact same thing because ego is fear mm. and when I say ego if someone doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about there's a part of us that has an ego and the ego tries to trap us in the safe, the comfortable, the familiar in terms of what we've always known. And any time we step outside of that ego, it's like that's when you start to get nervous. Your hands might start to shake. It's like, oh, I don't know about this. And 
That's where sometimes you get these racing thoughts. And when we talk about that, some people still talk about comfort zones. Oh, you're in your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. It's getting out of your ego. And I think that's where most people get caught is they allow their ego to overtake their, their true self. And that fragile ego wants to trap them. It wants to stay there. If if someone genuinely isn't being happy in, let's say, it's a, a relationship, the fragile ego might trap them into saying, well, don't go talk about that to someone because if you leave this person, well, then you might left be, be left with no one. Mm-hmm. Or I might say, well, don't leave that person because that happened to your mum or dad before, so that could happen to you again and come back to past traumas or families so I think why we don't is because of fear and the great thing to always know is whatever energy we admit ourselves is the more of energy we'll put into society and there's a fellow I go to called Ravi and he's a he's a genius but it's the guy. It's yeah. the guy. We'll share the secrets. <laughs> oh, hold on, cut that bit out. <laughs> um, but as he said, the more of what we put in society is the more of what we can change in the society. But the more of what we put in society, it starts with us. And what do I mean by that? Like, there's a lot of fear now, and particularly men as well, that I shouldn't talk about it. I shouldn't be open. Put the head on down. Drive on. Uh, and we use the classic words, grand. How are you getting on? Grand when really the the building could be on fire. And I think a lot of that comes down from fear. Fear because, well, not many people do it. Not many people are open. Not many people are honest. Not many people are willing to go ask them deeper and bigger questions. And because it's not really the norm. The norm is to go down to get up, have your cup of coffee in the morning, get to work, drive to work, get there really quick, do your nine to five, get home, go to the gym or do something and go to sleep that night and repeat the same thing five days a week. But often people aren't willing to stop and ask them bigger questions. Is this even the job I want to go into? And where the fear comes in, anything that comes us outside of what's comfortable familiar, if we have to go outside of that job and suddenly we're not getting that paycheck in every week or suddenly we're not going to know where we'll have a pension. The ego comes up and says, oh, stay where you are. Don't go there. You have your paycheck. You have that. Or the ego might say, oh, don't leave that relationship. You'll be left with no one. You'll be Mm. stuck on your own. You won't be happy. That's all ego. Mm. And I think what we need to do in in them moments in terms of how can I start to really act be more open or be more honest with myself because I find it really hard and you will find it really hard but I think it's to know and ask that question if I truly love myself Mm. what would I do Mm. if I really love myself what would I do Mm. if I knew I only had two weeks left to live what would I do it's a great question to ask And I think when we can ask that question, if I truly love myself, what would I do? Suddenly we would say, do you know what? I actually wouldn't stay in this relationship. Mm-hmm. I actually wouldn't stay in this job. I actually wouldn't beat myself up all the time. I actually wouldn't put all this pressure on myself. And I think that's when we can establish between, right, is this genuine real fear to actually have? 
or is this just my ego trying to trap me in the safe and familiar mm-hmm. kind of like jumping off uh, into the water into the sea off a ledge or something the longer you stand on that ledge looking into the sea mm-hmm. is the more stories you start to create saying oh god what if it's really cold what if I hit the bottom what if I break my legs just what if I were able to do it mm-hmm. and like a lot of our own fears we've seen so many people overcome the same thing it's like watching somebody just jumped in off the same ledge into the sea and they're there cheers and jeez that was great mm-hmm. But when it comes to us, we can allow that fear to overconsume us. And I think that's what we need to do is ask that question. If I truly love myself, what would I do? Because then we can establish whether this is genuine, real fear to be cautious about or whether that's just my ego trapped me in here right now. And I think within that as well is that if it's coming from that place of really from the heart, from the soul, from really loving yourself, when you go to make that decision, it is going to feel the hardest thing you'll do. It is going to feel massive. But on the other side of that is freedom you'll probably never experience, have ever experienced before. And I think it's it's to know that, to be, as not get attached to it, but to know that on the other side of fear is always freedom. And to really have that awareness. And when we start to <coughs> really make them decisions from love, our awareness then starts to grow and we're able to see more stuff, more patterns. And as I was only thinking to myself, driving over here and the way over, like it's all well and good meditating and journaling and practicing mindfulness and all these things. But unless we're willing to now start make decisions and actions that are in line, that's trapping us in this way that we don't want to live with the way we don't want to feel we're never going to get that awareness never if we're not experiencing or putting ourselves into these environments that shape that we're never going to get that awareness if i am someone who wants to now be happier and healthier and every day i go into work they're all complaining about the weather not being paid enough covid's coming jesus we're all going to be locked up of course how am i going to be happy that environment is suffocating me and I think that's really what it is, is place ourselves in them environments and knowing that always on the other side of fear is always freedom, mm. no matter what it is. Mm. That's a beautiful way of putting it, I think, because for me it's like this urge to like help people just push past that, that fear because mm. it's like they don't know what's on the other side of people who are living in that, mm. you know. It's like you can live the life you want to live free mm. of whatever, like free to be who you are and mm. do what you want to do. And it's, you know, it's it's like you're telling them, like, it's grand, just jump past the fear. But you mm. know yourself how hard it was for Massive. you to get past that fear. Huge. So it does take a lot of courage. Massive. Right? So it's like for me, courage mm. and compassion, those two things, yeah. to go on that journey of mm. connecting to yourself. And, and know that it's all your responsibility to do. And yeah. Yeah. Like no one can change your life no. apart from you, you they can you can look for people mm. for help guides mm. guide they guide you on the path yeah. they point the way but they you have to take the step and it, it is mm. hard for people so i think like when when i kind of like started stepping into that myself and like create my own life on my own terms like try, trying to be true to myself follow my heart like you mm. said i was kind of like come on everyone like why aren't you all doing this yeah, but yeah. i forgot you, how hard how long how it took me to do in that. that space like, yeah it's easy to say after yeah. crossing exactly after jumping into the water yeah. it's easy to say come on in it's easy yeah. 
but for the ones standing up on the ledge, that you ledge. forget that fears yeah. can be gripping. So it's just reminding people that mm. it is nice in that water if you want yeah. to jump and to be the guide yeah. if they need assistance or whatever, you can Ask be there. Exactly. Them. Yeah. But they they mm. need to do the work and they you're always there mm. if they need you and they have to ask mm. for the help. They have to, exactly. Yeah. And I think there's two points on that that I want to say is and the first one with fear. Fear is an emotion. And fear is like any emotion has a chemical release towards it. And there's a term that I always use with clients is that emotion is energy in motion. So the more we can start to move, the more we can start to breathe, the more we can start to get into nature, the more we can start to do these mm-hmm. physical things, is the more we can start to change our emotional state. Because if I'm someone who is feeling fear and I don't really want to make them decisions, but I'm not really exercising, I'm not really getting out into nature, I'm not really breathing, I'm not really doing these things, I'm trapped in that chemical response. Mm-hmm. And cortisol is just trapping me in that, adrenaline's trapped me in that, I'm stuck in that bubble, I can't get beyond it. And you can't outthink yourself out of fear. It's impossible. Mm. No way. Because then chemicals are flooding through your system. It's like trying to put out a fire and you're putting more petrol on and you're getting frustrated. Why isn't the fire going down? You're, fucking, you're putting more onto it. Like. It's like when you get mm. when you get have a thought and you say, why am I thinking like that? I shouldn't be thinking like this. Mm. I'm going like you're just you're fueling that even more. Yeah, yeah. So emotion is energy in motion. So if I am someone who is in that fear state, that fear place, I need to have these things that allow me to move it out of my body. For me, it's it's sea swimming, it's exercise, it's mm. getting into nature, boxing, it's it's all these areas. And that's why I do a lot of work that I do with clients now because we need to release that, we need to hold on to that. And I think it's really important in terms of that with emotion is to know that we have to have these practices in place that allow us to overcome that fear. Because if I'm on the ledge and I'm trying to outthink myself out of the ledge, it's almost impossible. Mm. And the second part you, you both touched on is knowing that it always comes down to us. It is mm. always us. No one can fix you. No one can heal you. No one can change you. No one can transform you. No one can. And one of the hardest things I realized was that all of my suffering is from me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Everything. And people say, oh, well, I had a bad childhood. No, I didn't have a bad childhood. But some people might say, I had a bad childhood. You might have had a bad childhood. But the experience you had is still you. It's still you now creating that suffering. And that could be from 15 years ago. And I know that could be hard. But still from you. You're like, ah, but it's just my job. It's not the job, it's you. <laughs> ah, but I just, uh, it's just not the, the right place, me. Might not be the right place, but still you who's been in that place. Ah, but she's like, you know, they, they just do my head in. But still you who's going to see them each time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything comes back to you. And when you know that and understand it, it's hard to know, number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, it's actually quite freeing as well. Because now you're getting not getting caught into external things having to change so you can be happy or you can be at peace. Mm-hmm. Now you know that it can just be you. And it's amazing when you start to get into that space, it's... It's like you're sitting down. Sometimes I'm sitting down with people and they could be talking about something and I'm like, I'm just not emotionally being in charge, charged in by that. It's like I'm sitting down as we spoke about earlier. It's that seat of awareness, that level of awareness where, as I say, it's like nearly like you're watching yourself on the TV. You're watching yourself. You're sitting down on the couch and you're watching yourself on the TV going by about your life. And that's the level of awareness when we can start to really bring that in. 
that's when we don't get emotionally charged and that's when we can start to make better decisions and all that. But you know what, it's not the job, it's just me who's choosing to go into this job. It's not the uh, the food I'm eating, it's, it's me deciding to cook that food and me deciding not to go experience what is a better version of that. I think that's the freeing bit as well. Mm. You know, some people think when you tell them that everything is down to them, like how they feel about things, Yeah, they might it might sound harsh. It is, yeah. yeah. It might sound harsh to say to someone who has been abused, maybe. Of that course. it's their responsibility to react whatever yeah. way. Yeah. It is hard to understand, understand that. And you're going to have the pain from it. Absolutely. But I think when you realise that it is your responsibility to feel how you yeah. feel, no matter the situation, it is. no matter what the situation yeah. is, you actually have the control mm. to change it. Mm. Mm. I think it's Sadhguru puts it well. I think it was him that said it. It's like, it's not your fault, mm. but everything is your responsibility. Yeah, the word itself a means way of summing it up. your ability to respond. Yeah, and even if you choose to do nothing, that's mm. still a response. Mm. You can choose to like, yeah. I'm not going to react. I'm, exactly, I'm not going to change my life. That's that's your response that mm. you've chosen. chosen. Yeah. So you're always choosing responses. Yeah, um, you're always responding to things, and it's just reminding yourself. And personally, at the start, I think yeah, it's overwhelming to think that, and it's mm. like. Fuck! I don't want this responsibility. This yeah. pe- it is power. Yeah. Mm. But now I feel that when I remind myself, wait, actually, you are in control of everything. Sometimes you feel like I have to do. You know, when I say like I have to do these things, and then I remind myself, like, oh, you don't have to do that. You can just sit here. Yeah. For the day in yeah. your room, if you really want to. Yeah. yeah. You have to deal with the consequences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there might exactly. be big consequences, but you don't have to go anywhere. You don't no. have to do anything. And just remind myself of that. It's like fuck yeah, I yeah. am in control of my life yeah. every day. And I just think that's an un- read of power, and a lot of people are probably afraid of that responsibility mm. at the start. But once you get used to it, it's yeah. actually it's so freeing, as you said. Mm. It is, and it's even that word "have to." Mm. Every time I say "have to," is every time I'm just living by my ego. Mm. Oh, I have to get up here in the morning. Oh, I have to do this training session. Mm. Oh, I have to go here later on during the week, and that's all ego. Mm. And it's even catching. So sometimes I say, "I come home to cry," and oh. Have to get up early in the morning. You're the one who made the decision to do this job, Dan. And the part of me wants to get angry and takes it. Oh, <laughs> shut up, will you? <laughs> but she's right, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's even changed that word have to, and I get to. Yes. Today yes. I get to train. Today I get to go to a job. Today I get to do all these things. And it's even catching yourself each moment mm. saying, take it out of your language. The word have to does not exist anymore. And should. Should, should, should. Yeah. have I to think, or should. should, should do that. Maybe. I always try to change the should. I, I, I still say it, but I catch myself every time, even yeah. when I'm writing in my journal. Yeah. If I'm writing should, no, and I cross it out. And if I can't write the word I want, I yeah. don't write it then because yeah. I obviously don't want to do exactly. it. Exactly. It's only someone else telling me. It's a human ego again. Yeah. yeah. And it is so powerful. Do you know, like, sometimes I describe to clients in a way they come in and they'd say, I did this one session, they all came in and you know when you come in and there's just the energy's quite low in one day. Mm. Like it could be in anything, could be in work, it could be in a, a family at home or whatever. And people are coming in. It was rain outside. The whole thing was coming in saying, "Oh, jeez, bad weather outside, isn't it?" Like, and then I was like, "Oh God." The next person comes in, "Jeez, trench rain out there, isn't it?" And the next person comes in saying, "Oh, I had to drop the kids off there." Every person was coming in. It was it was like a conveyor belt like this. 
And usually at the start of a session, I'd have a client, we we do maybe a little bit of movement, a little bit of mobility, a little bit of breath work or something. And uh, I said, hold on there five minutes. So I walked out of the room and got my laptop. I walked back into the room and got, uh, hooked the laptop up to the projector screen I had in the studio. And uh, I put on, um, I put up a photo on the screen. And I said, how many people woke up this morning and said, I have to train? How many people said, oh, I have to uh, walk the kids to school? Because most of them were coming in with that. And all the hands went up. I said, oh, yeah, I have to get in here today. Oh, I know I just have to be here. And I put up a photo of someone in a wheelchair. And I said, if I was in a wheelchair, and if you were coming into me here today, would you say, I have to train today? I have to be here today. No, I wouldn't. Why? Because I know that I'm lucky today that I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not saying it's bad in a wheelchair, but what I'm trying to explain is that sometimes we get stuck in this, I have to do this. But if we've seen someone there that suddenly that, who would love to be able to run, who would love to be able to jump, who would live to be able to swim one more time. Or to bring their kids somewhere. To bring their kids somewhere. You wouldn't be saying that. It's like walking by the street and you see... You complain about, oh, I have to get back here to work, saying, oh, go out, get me lunch here. And suddenly you walk by someone who's sitting on the street homeless. Suddenly you're not complaining about, you have to go here, you have to do that. It's a make dinner. It's a make. But why do we have to wait? Why do we have to wait for someone else to bring that inside of us? Why do we have to wait for, to compare our, our, our life to someone else's? We, we can't. We can, but we'll never come to that place of inner peace, inner bliss or inner joy. But when we start to cultivate that and say, every day I get to be here. Because and like when we look at it, I think the chances of you being born is like one in 300 trillion. When you actually think of that for a second, like, and even think of all the things that had to happen for you to be even oh, born. I don't even like doing it. It's, it's insane. It's so in your head. Yeah. It's insane. And yet so often we get caught up into so much small things and we miss the miracle, we miss the gift, which is us. Because someone once said that there's something missing here in this world and I need you in here to put to be this. And that's why we need people who love to dance to dance. We need, we need people who love to sing sing. We need people who, who went through that in school and we need them to come back into these schools. We need all these people to be who they really are because that is why they are actually really here. And that's the miracle, that's the gift. And that's when we get out of the half ten, that's where we get into I get to. Wow, nice to powerful. It's gratitude again, isn't it? Yeah. Um, can I ask you a question? Yeah, I have just a question for that I usually ask people. Um what's your definition of success? Great question. Freedom. That's all it is. Great answer. Just freedom. Shortest answer we've had. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was expecting. Yeah. No, I think it's just freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, as society, if you had to ask society overall, people would say, oh, lovely big house, a lovely new car, uh, uh, all these physical things. But I think it's just freedom. Mm. And what do I mean when I say freedom? I think when I say freedom, I think it's the freedom to wake up every single day and knowing you're exactly who you're meant to be being in the exact place you're meant to be, doing exact things that you're meant to be doing. And I think that's what freedom is. Mm. It's this space where you have in your mind that everything's just, it's at like a slower pace. 
it's like it's like you're watching the world and you're just looking at it from a different lens like and I think that's what success ultimately is and and I think that can only come from inside of us and that's why when I work with a lot of people I say everything you do is not just for you and there's a quote I live by is what we do for what I do for myself I do for others and what I do for others I do for myself mm. and what I mean by that I mean by you taking on this journey by you taking on this experience to understand who you are what you really want and what's the life you really want to create you start to give that permission to give that to others and the more you can start to do that is the more again from earlier on that energy is now starting to be emitted more into the environment into everywhere that we go everywhere that we are and the more we can start to bring that in jesus what a world to live in that would be mm. like john lennon used to always talk about mm. and i think that's what success really is it, it's that inner sense of freedom you're not being attached to things you're not carrying all them past traumas you're not relying your self-worth or your success quote unquote on something down the line or something in the future or some external thing it's the freedom to know that you're exactly who you're meant to be right now in the exact place where you're meant to be right now doing and being with the exact people you're meant to be with and I think what comes into that really is love living from the heart living from the soul no matter how big it is no matter how hard the conversation might be, I think that's what it is. Freedom is love, and I think it's to live by them emotions. Mm. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, <laughs> that's answer. Yeah, love that. So then there's one other question that we ask, and that's it. What advice would you give to your younger self? And before I let you answer that question, yeah, the last few times I've asked it, I'm thinking... This is more relevant, I suppose. It's it's what anyone else younger now list possibly listen to this. What advice yeah. you give to them? Yeah. Because I suppose maybe I'm thinking of the question a bit wrong, but in my head, I'm. You wouldn't mm. want to give the advice to your younger self because you wouldn't be sitting here today. Now. You wouldn't be who you are today. Exactly, but yeah. I suppose it's more for anyone else that's maybe struggling. Yeah. What advice would you give? Um great question there's so much I could give mm. and I think it's a great thing you said there is that never to give not never to give but if you hadn't given that advice to yourself it wouldn't form the person who you are today so we're made of our experiences but if I had to look at someone else who maybe was in the same bubble as me yeah, and was grown up say, in the yeah. same bubble mm-hmm. as me going through the same stuff if I really had to look at that person in the eyes and give them advice I think it'd be two words, free and believe. And I think they're the main two things I tell them. And what do I mean by that? I think the first one with free would be to tell them that you are free to do anything you want to do. You're free to go to the space. You're free to go to space. If you're free to live in a desert island and play guitar and surf all day, you're free to do that. You are free to do anything you want to do. And I think the second one is believe. Believe that you can do it. And the reason why I say that, I think a lot of my own life I spent growing up and like I mentioned earlier, whether I was in school, whether I was Irish and not doing Irish and all these other things, 
I never had that belief. I never had that. And if people knew me growing up, might not think that at all. But that's where we put on the mask. Um, but I think it's to have that belief that you can, and I'm not saying this as a wishy-washy statement, I'm really being genuine that you can do and be anything that you really want to be. And allow yourself to have that freedom to dream, freedom to be expansive, freedom to do whatever the hell it is. And I'm not saying to go over and be the next Michael D. Higgins. That can be as simple as going every Saturday evening to play in your local club and play guitar and sing because it's really in your heart and you really want to do it. Success isn't something that is this big, massive thing. Success is freedom. It's freedom doing what you want, being who you want, and knowing that you're doing that each and every day. And I think it's a lifelong journey, it's a lifelong commitment, but that's why you need to enjoy your journey of it as well. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answers that. Yeah, yeah, thanks very much, Dan. And if anyone was looking to reach out to you yes. for more information on what you do, anything like that, how would they find you? Yeah, so uh, website is danglingcoaching.ie um, and Instagram and Facebook is pretty much the same thing. Um, I have a podcast as well, which is called Broaden the Horizon. So it's like me, look, when I'm looking out to see, I'm always thinking, what's beyond that horizon? And that's the, the name for it. Um, so that's where they can reach out or see more stuff that I do. And uh, yeah, any questions, feel free to send them in. Um, thanks for having me on, men. Great to see you as always. Yeah, great to be in your company yeah. as always. And, uh, plenty of wisdom in that one there, so it's but, great to listen to. Great to be here. Thank Cheers, you. Dan. Cheers, Dan.